Good evening. I'm Tabby Tyler. And I'm Kate France. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between February 28th and March 1st. This is the dimension of the leap year. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. Tomorrow is leap day. And we should all be really excited. Wait, wait, should we be? Well, why not? It happens less than any national holiday. Well, yeah, and it pays homage to our roots as star-charting, civilization-building pioneers. You're probably going to have to explain that one. Well, I mean, think about it. Why does Leap Day exist? Uh, honestly, I've, I've never thought about it in my life. Oh, just another day. Yeah, I mean, it's just that thing we do every four years. Actually, no, all I ever thought about as a kid was how another kid born that day would have less birthdays than me. Right? I mean, honestly, like, I used to imagine that they got their birthdays on both the 28th and the 1st to make up for it. I found out, though, that if your birthday's on a leap day and it's not a leap year, you have to wait for the 1st of March to be legally 21. Wait, so if you chose to celebrate on the 28th your whole life, you would have to wait another day to have your first legal drink. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, kind of sucks. But really, why does leap year bring to mind our ancestral past? Well, because leap year is just our variation of a calendar intercalation. Which is? An intercalation is a day, week, or month that is added to a calendar to realign the seasons or moon phases with the solar year. And they began almost immediately after we started measuring time with the moon. Leap year brings to mind our ancestral past because our ancestors started out measuring time by observing phases of the moon. You could expect to transition into different seasons based on the number of moon cycles that had passed. This made it easier to prepare for different seasons. Measuring a year by moon phase alone came to be what we call lunar calendars. Lunar calendars usually date back to prehistory, and some estimates date them back to the Upper Paleolithic period. However, the lunar calendar only has 354 days, and if you don't somehow fix this, seasons start coming at different times. So the adjustment that was made depended on the civilization that was adjusting the calendar, and it could be fixed by adding a month. These adjustments were dependent on the solar year of the Earth, rather than the lunar year, because the solar year is much more precise, and allowed civilizations to predict seasons more accurately. The marriage of the lunar calendar with the solar calendar became the lunisolar calendar. This transition is seen in many cultures, including Egyptian culture, where traditionally a lunar calendar was used. Eventually, through a greater understanding of celestial positioning and seasonal timing in relation to the sun, a lunisolar calendar was introduced, while the lunar calendar was used exclusively for spiritual purposes. Most calendars in ancient times were lunisolar calendars. The Sumerian calendar had 12 months, and each month started with the rise of a new moon. But because the lunar year is only 354 days, the Sumerians periodically added a leap month. Another calendar that had a leap month was the Zoroastrian calendar, which appeared later in the Achaemenid period, circa 650 to 330 BCE. It was similar to the Egyptian calendar in the sense that each day was named for a spiritual tradition, and it consisted of 12 months, each consisting of 30 days, with the occasional intercalary month. But unlike the Egyptian calendar, it did not divide the days into weeks. 
And also, I really dig the idea of not having weeks and just a different name for each day of the month because I mix up what day it is all of the time. I think the idea is so appealing to you because as a nurse and a bartender, you're not confined to the same rigid American capitalist schedule that makes a seven-day week, you know, useful. Yeah, truth. So it's interesting to note that as calendar science advanced, societies found themselves requiring multiple calendars, some for religious ceremonies, some for farming needs, some for clerical needs. They also found more complex ways to insert the necessary intercalary month. The Metonic cycle was a 19-year cycle that was observed by Greek astronomer Meton of Athens, or Meton, Meton? I don't know, it's all Greek to me. However, when he introduced the cycle in 432 BCE, it was already known by Babylonian astronomers. Meton noticed that a period of 19 solar years was almost equal to 235 lunar months, and so he calculated that the lunar year could be kept in pace with the solar year by including an intercalary month seven times in the 19-year cycle. That intercalary month was inserted in the years 3, 6, 8, 11, 14, 17, and 19 of the 19-year calendar cycle. The Athenians had three calendars, but come the Hellenistic period, shit got out of hand. Humanity's individualistic desires overwhelmed the need for cohesion, and each Greek state had a calendar that had its own separate traditions. The calendar of Delphi became the unifying calendar with historical documents referring to both the Delphian calendar and the regional calendar. Man, imagine how easy it was back then to, like, get out of stuff you didn't want to do. Like, mm, sorry I didn't make it to your baby shower. I didn't realize you were using the Delphi calendar. Mm, whoops. <laughs> That's okay. If you want to make things really complicated, you should refer to the Mayan calendar. Yeah, this one is really, really interesting and extremely difficult to explain. But I'm going to go ahead and give you the Reader's Digest version of it because it is a very cool. The Mayan calendar consisted of multiple calendars, and I will refer to them in past tense because not all of them are used anymore, but I would still like to point out that many people in Central America still use aspects of the calendar today. So, one calendar was the... <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Tappy. Yeah, I'll just pull out from my repertoire of Mayan... <laughs> Pronunciation. Pronunciation guides. Yeah, mm. I got so many. Well, I'm going to do my best here. <laughs> so, one calendar was the Zulkan calendar, and it was a 260-day sacred calendar. Another calendar was a vague solar calendar called the Hob that consisted of 365 days divided into 18 months of 20 days, plus a spooky five-day period where the boundaries separating the underworld dissolved and bad deities could cause mischief. Both of those calendars were combined, and the various combinations of the names and days of those calendars added up to a cycle that would last 18,980 days, which is equivalent to the least common multiple of both 260 and 365, which are the lengths of both the Zulkin and the Hob, or approximately 52 years. Ugh, math. Why did the Mesoamericans have to be literal mathletes? <laughs> right? But wait, there is more. No. Yes. So the long count was the calendar that was used to refer to dates far into the past or into the future, and it was basically a 
beautiful math equation. If the Mesoamericans wanted to identify a day outside of the calendar round, which again is 52 years, they used the long calendar count. This calendar identified a day by counting up from their culture's creation day, which is calculated and translating for our understanding to be August 11th, 3114 BCE. The Earth is a Leo. Now get this. The creation date of the world to the Mayans was said to be after the completion of 12 Bakhtans, which is 5,122 years. So the Mayan age of the Earth is similar to the Christian age of the Earth. Too short? Yes. But wow, historical hive mind is insane. So I'm not going to dig into the Mesoamerican calendars any further because I'm certainly not qualified to do so. But wow, what a mathematical experience. Speaking of mathematical experiences... In 11th century Persia, a calendar reform by mathematician Omar Khayyam was announced in 1079 CE after he determined that the length of a year was 365.24219858156 days, which was like outstandingly accurate. How? I don't know. I can't even figure out the cost of a sale item without my calculator. This episode is the bane of my existence. <laughs> the point. Of all of this, though, is that through antiquity, many civilizations were using some form of a lunisolar calendar, but we use a solar calendar, so we should take some time to explore how we came to inherit this. Yeah, we all know we use the Gregorian calendar, but where did this calendar come from? Well, this should be your shit, Kate, because it was developed as a correction to the Julian calendar. Oh. Tell me everything. Well, the Julian calendar was a reform to the Roman calendar, which was a reform to the Etruscan calendar slash calendar of whoever else the Romans had conquered in the past. The Roman calendar wanted so badly to align with their approximation of the tropical year, which was about 365.25 days long. They were, of course, wrong about this number, but that would be revealed later. The Romans even had a system in place to install intercalations that would keep the average calendar length at 365.25 days over a 24-year period. But in practice, politicking screwed everything up, as is the norm. The pontifices, or high priests, who were also often politicians, were responsible for inserting intercalary years. But a calendar year determined the length of office at the time. So people would lengthen the year when they were in office and shorten it if it hurt their opponents. Mm, yeah, of course they did. Right? Yeah, like temporal gerrymandering. It got so confusing and out of hand that the times leading up to the Julian reforms were literally called the years of confusion. The Julian reforms were literally a godsend for Roman citizens because the calendar was required to stay aligned with the sun without any human intervention. Oh, geez. No wonder his days were numbered. I'm sure the politicians hated that. Probably, but it didn't matter. The Julian calendar went into effect, and everything by the way of calendars was 100% better for over 500 years, until the Julian calendar was slashed and replaced by the Gregorian calendar. Et tu, Grege. It had to be done. 
Apparently, there was like a hole in the matrix and there had developed a 10-day difference between calendar and reality. In the year 1582, the day October 4th was followed by October 15th. Hell yeah, gets us closer to Halloween faster. Yeah, so the tropical year I mentioned earlier, the Romans approximated that it was 365.25 days. But in truth, the solar year right now is 365.242190 days. This miscalculation led to the time and spatial drift. Whoops. So instead, the Gregorian calendar is spaced to make the average year 365.2425 days long. Mm, I see what they did there. It's pretty crazy, though, that when you make an adjustment just two more decimal places to the right, the difference is exponential. Yes. Where the Julian calendar had an error every 128 years, the Gregorian calendar has an error close to every 7,700 years. So how did they make this change? So the Gregorian calendar skips three Julian leap days every 400 years. The current rule for leap year is, quote, every year that is exactly divisible by four is a leap year except for years that are exactly divisible by 100. But these centurial years are leap years if they are exactly divisible by 400. For example, the years 1700, 1800, and 1900 are not leap years, but the years 1600 and 2000 are. End quote. Oh, right. Obviously. Right? Who couldn't understand Mm. that? (laughs) And now everyone uses the Gregorian calendar, and everything is super easy to understand the end. The thing is, the prevalence of the Gregorian calendar makes it easy to assume that it's the only calendar in use, but it's absolutely not. There are several other calendars still in use today, most notably the Muslim or Hidri, the Chinese, the Hebrew, and the Hindu calendars. Much like the Greeks use the Delphian calendar as a bridge calendar, most of these cultures use the Gregorian calendar as a standard in common with European or Western nations, while using their culturally significant calendar to determine the dates of important holy days or festivals. This is why the Chinese New Year is not at the same time as the Western New Year. In the case of the Islamic calendar, they use a purely lunar approach without intercalation. The addition of a 13th month, which had been used occasionally to make up for the discrepancies between the seasons and the lunar calendars, was deemed haram, or against the will of Allah, by the Prophet Muhammad. Which is why determining when Ramadan starts every year is such a mission, right? Yes, exactly. If you've ever been confused about why Ramadan seems to float from month to month, you are not alone. Even many practicing Muslims have to wait for various spiritual authorities throughout the world to determine the actual start date of the holy month. It's technically supposed to begin on the first day of the ninth month of the Islamic calendar, which is determined by the sighting of the crescent moon. But because a lunar calendar does not align with the Gregorian calendar, the sighting of the moon is different every year. Precisely. So most people look to their spiritual leaders, who in turn tend to take the word of the authorities in Saudi Arabia to get the start date. In contrast, Chinese, Hindu, and Jewish cultures still use a lunisolar calendar with an intercalary month to keep track of their cultural ceremonies. Interestingly, though, the Hebrew calendar is the only one of these that uses weeks, while the Hindu calendar uses fortnights called paksha, and the Chinese calendar doesn't use weeks at all. You know, I love ancient traditions, so the use of these calendars in modern day is wonderful to me. The Hebrew calendar specifically has served an incredible purpose of uniting the Jewish diaspora around the world and being able to celebrate holidays and observe religious holy days simultaneously throughout a really tumultuous history. 
And the cultures that have retained their own calendar have reportedly maintained a stronger cultural identity that was less influenced by colonialism. Exactly. Using a different, more traditional calendar is a way of holding onto your culture and rebelling against the man, the white man, <laughs> telling you how the world works and when they arbitrarily say history started. How we observe holidays structures personal and historical narratives. These much older calendars tend to include spiritual guidance for life events by telling us auspicious months to accomplish landmarks in our lives. In this way, these calendars can help us feel like we have more control over ourselves and lend us a greater connection to the universe. Yeah, I wouldn't say the Gregorian calendar makes me feel connected to anything cosmically. <laughs> Which is probably why I, an American woman named Tabby, know and care what animal my birth date corresponds to through Chinese astrology and their calendar. Which is also related to the other solar calendar, the zodiacal calendar. Yes! As the accuracy of the solar calendar improved, it evolved into two types. Our Gregorian calendar is a solar calendar that follows the tropical year, which deals with the Earth's movement around the sun. The other type of solar calendar is the sidereal calendar, which measures time with respect to the position of the Earth and its relative position to the stars. The Hindu, Tamil, and Bengali calendars are all sidereal solar calendars. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. So all of this was hugely important. The understanding that time passes and our obsession with keeping track of time is a fundamental part of who we are as a species. The methods we use to fine-tune those calculations, and most especially the hyper-complicated math involved in doing so, have corresponded with great advances in our cultural growth. But there is one part of leap year that we haven't covered that is absolutely crucial. What? Bachelor's Day. What? Bachelor's Day. An Irish tradition wherein on leap day, women are allowed to initiate dances and propose marriage to the fella of her dreams. If the proposal was refused, the man who spurned her affections was required to pay a fine. The fine could take the form of a silk gown, a fur coat, a kiss, or even just cold hard cash. In Great Britain, the man was obliged to buy her 12 pairs of new gloves on Easter Day. <laughs> Lest they see her ringless finger. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard about Leap Day. It reminds me of the Sadie Hawkins dance here in the States, except far more expensive for the guy if he refuses. Yes. <laughs> the tradition is supposed to have originated from a deal that St. Bridget struck with St. Patrick, which... I gotta say, I love the idea that these two saints are just chilling out, talking gender politics all day. According to Catholic folklore, there were several conversations between the two that led to this tradition, including one scenario where Bridget straight up proposes to Patrick and he's like, Alas, but I am already married to the church. <laughs> Except this all falls apart when you consider that she was probably around like 10 when he died so yeah so it probably was just started by a bunch of women tired of waiting around for the proverbial ring i mean when you know he's the one you gotta just snag him i proposed to my husband not on a leap day though 
Nah, I'm pretty sure it was like the beginning of June. <laughs> well, with all of that said, we hope you enjoyed another night in. Yeah, don't get too hung up on the math. I didn't. No, we'll save that for the astronomers, astrologers, and mathematicians. We will see you next week. But until then, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler in France, F-R-A-N-T-Z. And have a great night. Bye. Bye. <laughs>